wanna be a scientist, helping animals and strive. We're the shave big bills, the deadliest crew. We sing and we dance, that's what we do. Green Left Weekly Radio. There's one newspaper that is independent of powerful capitalist interest, and that is Green Left Weekly. It's the people's voice committed to human and civil rights, ecological sustainability, democracy and equality. It presents ideas that the mainstream media won't. Green Left is a leading source of local, national and international news with analysis, discussion and debate to strengthen the anti-capitalist movement. It helps expose the lies of the capitalist press and puts the voices of the marginalised and the oppressed at the centre of fighting for a better world and helps us understand the political developments unfolding around us. Good morning, listeners. You are listening to Green Left Weekly Radio. Um, and on the line today, this will be our last program uh, of the year, well, our last sort of official kind of program. Um, you tuned in um, last Friday to hear the first part of our summer programming, um, but we come back this Friday just for another kind of round of to be our sort of last program before we sort of... Yeah, because there's go. so much that's been happening, so we thought we'd want to talk about it. And that was our new introduction, everyone. I hope you like it. Um, so that's uh, me, Zane, and Jacob uh, there. So Yeah, because cool. our older announcement um, didn't ne- um, necessarily reflect um, every the main guest um, panellists that were on the program at this point. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, looks pretty funky. I think that was Gab that put that together. Thanks, Gab. We love you. Right. So I guess um, before we, there's quite a lot to get through um, today. So we have two sort of guests, but before I sort of announce what's coming up, I'd like to acknowledge that FreeCR today is being broadcast to you from the wandering land of the Kulin Nation. Um, I'd like to pay our respect to elders past and present and that this always was, um, always will be Aboriginal land. Now, in terms of what we have coming up, this is it's been quite a big week, I think, in terms of um, political developments. Um, in fact, it seems like every day something new is sort of um, happening. Um, we're going to be, in terms of our program, we're going to be having a get. Um, we're going to be having an interview with Sue Bolton, more sort of a roundtable discussion to kind of reflect on the year um, that was um, 2019. In terms of like, what were the kind of significant developments in terms of the left, and what where to next. And then we'll have an interview with a member of the Kashmirian community, Mir um, Bala, um, and he will be talking about the intense situation that's currently unfolding in India right now, which has been um, hit with mass protests. Now, I guess the main thing we that's probably worth talk um, worth saying off the show is, you know, every radio program always talks about the weather. Um, it's going to be over <laughs> 43 degrees today um, mm. in Melbourne, um, and in fact, um, I read a news report um, that it's going to be potentially going to hit as high as 47 in South Australia, which yeah, could mean that Western roads could Sydney melt as well. Yeah, Western Sydney, and it's going to be blanketed in smoke, 47 degrees. Yeah. Mm. And probably many um, of our listeners are aware that um, New South Wales has been hit with some of the worst kind of bushfires. Um, In fact, quite tragically, Mm. last night, um, two volunteer firefighters um, have died as a result, and three 
other firefighters have been injured after their truck rolled into the Sydney southwest. Um, basically, this was during a, the New South Wales kind of bushfires. Um, and the scene was on the front line of the Green Wattle Greek fire, one of the t- two bushfires still burning at emergency level few through to Thursday night. So that fire, as we um, know, it is still burning. Um, and, of course, a crime scene has been established and an investigation has launched into the circumstances surrounding the crash. Now, I think this is, um, this is sort of the what we what is to kind of come with this horrible kind of bushfire season and i think you know it's clearly the direct result of the climate crisis um that we're currently facing um the average we having average increase in temperatures um extreme weather events and it's all engulfing australia right now as we speak mm. and pretty much our political leaders or our so-called politicians are pretty much nowhere to be seen in fact um Scott Morrison, um, the current Prime Minister, is currently away on holidays to Hawaii. In Hawaii, in the clean air of Hawaii, yes. Um, someone pointed out, look, they don't, you know, they don't, uh, forgive him, but they don't think it's that bad to have, for him to have a holiday, but it's his total lack of leadership. I mean, the timing of the holiday is pretty awful. If you've got a holiday and you've got a national emergency, which is pretty much what this is, these fires, mm. I mean, um, uh, Gladys Berkajelian, uh, the Premier of New South Wales, has just declared it a state emergency. But what this really is, is a national emergency. It's that the scope is that wide. And, you know, we are not going to get it. We're not going to be fire free here in Victoria this um, this season. Um, but he has nicked off to Hawaii and decided that he's going to stay there. And whilst, you know, firefighters, well, two firefighters have died, you know, yesterday and three injured. But at the moment, we have a situation where um, the firefighting, um, organi- like the, the firefighters, the volunteers and the paid firefighters are not getting adequate respiratory equipment. They actually have to buy their own respiratory equipment. And this is an essential part of the firefighting kit. This affects the health of the firefighters and they don't get it provided to them. Uh, you know, we've got situations where firefighters are crowdfunding for their own meals, you know, and volunteer firefighters are out there fighting fires. But if you're on a, if you're on Centrelink, if you're on Newstart and you're a, a volunteer firefighter, that's no excuse. If you're saving lives and communities and houses, uh, but you still have to get your X amount of interviews in, being a volunteer firefighter is no excuse and you will have your new start cut if you're out there fighting fires. That is absolutely ridiculous. Mm. Um, you know, we've got a situation at the moment where um, a whole bunch of uh, firefighters that were cut from the ranks, uh, they were um, uh, made redundant um, by the Berkajelian, um government, uh, have been asked to come back and help fight fires for free. <laughs> So you've got a situation where please put yourself in danger for free. We fired you, but we need you back, but we're not going to pay you. I mean, that's the situation that we have at the moment. Where, where's the leadership on this? You know, we need, we have the funds to pay these people. We have the funds to adequately give, to give them equipment that adequately, adequately addresses their health needs in these dangerous situations. Mm. And yet nothing is being done. Yeah, yeah, and also it goes into sort of other, I mean, one of the things that I think um, this whole crisis reveals is 
um, the rich and the powerful and the, the capitalists will happily see us um, burn. Burn, absolutely. Um, um, because, I mean... Looking, um, there's been a lot of um, things raised about workers' rights in this whole, in, in the midst of this whole crisis, mm. and that is there are many workers um, that are being forced um, to work in these conditions or face the threat of losing pay. And in fact, mm. when there are, when there has been examples of workplaces that have had to stop work as a result of these extreme weather conditions. Um, the the bosses are, it seems to be a big ask for these workers to be properly paid and comp- um, and in fact the, the bosses are using this as, as an excuse that oh we can't um, we can't afford to pay you um, and trying to get away with not paying workers who have to who actually have no choice not to work um, and in fact and it's not just impacting on workers who are Work in outside, outdoor environments, such as construction workers. It's also impacting on office workers. Air conditioning is not enough, is, has apparently been not enough to protect, um, especially in Sydney, in a, in a sense in Sydney, hasn't been enough to protect, um, office workers. So we have a, <clears throat> we're, we're in this, mm. and the fact that our gov, I think, you know, in this kind of, if there was this, in this crisis, you know, the government should be implementing um, massive puts putting a massive amounts of funding into firefighters um, prof- um, professionalizing the volunteers it shouldn't be dependent on volunteers yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> um, but of course I think you know there has there has been a people powered response and in fact there was quite a, a massive rally last Wednesday um, which attracted over 50,000 people in Sydney um, that I think has been a powerful response and then there were subsequent rallies um, organized on on Wednesday night um, um, this Wednesday night in Melbourne which probably only attracted up to 500 to 800 people but I think it's still a good turnout <clears throat> And then there's going to be more protests happening in um, this Saturday in both Canberra and Sydney. And then currently what's happening right now is School Strike for Client had called um, a camp out outside um, Scott Morrison's house, um, which is sort of the special sort of house that... Kirribilli House, Kirribilli yes. House that basically every Prime Minister... Yes. Um, basically, they set up a protest camp out there. But and- it, by the way, it's covered in smoke, so he doesn't want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, they've, um, protesters have surrounded it, um, but have been met with, um, severe police repression, um, with sitting MPs, um, being arrested, such as David Shoebridge and a 13 year old girl, um, was also, um, whose home was destroyed by, um, the New South Wales bushfires, um, was also detained, um, by the police. She was um, told to move on in no uncertain terms, and you can see when um, when the the policeman I watched the video when the policeman is reading her the notification that she's ha- has to move on. She's sitting there trying to fight back tears, but you could see the defiance in her face. And when he said, "Are you going to move on?" she said, "Yes." And they started to move on, and she held her sign high and proud. She was not going to be. Uh, silenced and you know that that video went viral and good on her she was really upset she had her home destroyed and here's some policeman telling her to move on because you know she doesn't have the right to protest against what's happening mm. good on her she was really brave yeah so yeah. i think that has been quite an expiring um display of resistance in fact that occupation is still continuing so by any chance any of our listeners um 
are based in New South Wales. I definitely recommend um, coming down to support the protests in solidarity. And there's going to be more protests, I think, happening this Saturday. And I just, um, just around the country, not necessarily in Victoria. But I think this whole crisis isn't, um, isn't going to be going away. I just can't mm. imagine a world where, um, for, through January, we um, definitely run the risk that um, that these while these fires haven't necessarily impacted on Victoria yet. Yes, um, I definitely see it potentially on the cards, especially in some of the rural parts of the country. And I think we're going to have to be um, we're um, aware and conscious of that. And I think this crisis, I think, is going to get worse before it necessarily gets better. And I think the government is going to have to be pushed to and fro um, for them to actually commit to any serious action. And in mm. fact, I think the, the protest movement has already, um, the movement has already had an impact, I think, in a small way. Um, there was a recent, following the Wednesday night protest last week in Sydney, um, Scott Morrison did actually respond in some way to um, the climate, um, to these bushfires. And, you know, basically acknowledge that, yes, these bushfires are unprecedented. Um, they're not like anything that we've seen. Um, and then, you know, admitted climate change is probably a factor in these, um, in these bushfires. He's, he's been forced to say that because he doesn't actually believe it himself. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he says it. Um, but then, um, he basically again goes and follows on by saying, Oh, well, well, what the government is doing is enough. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. which is absolutely untrue. And also I think it reflects, I think, on the, the, the why I think, um, Scott Morrison was elected in the sense that Scott Morrison is supported, um, by a lot of the fossil fuel kind of capitalists, the ones who Definitely. want to push for the Adani, they want to push for the coal mines, etc. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's quite, it's, it's within, um, his political interests to actually deny that there's a crisis and within these interests of these fossil fuel cop- capitalists. But I do think that based on some of the mainstream media coverage, there would be some conflict amongst, um, some of the capitalists, um, some of the ruling class in a sense that there would be potentially some who would think that sh- this crisis is potentially, um, a terrible setback. Um, and we can't pretend that it doesn't exist, um, forever. <laughs> yeah. And I, I've stated this before and I'll say it again. We in Australia at the moment do not have an effective opposition to this government. We have a lame duck op- opposition who is also in bed with the capitalists and who also does not acknowledge that there is a climate emergency or wants to do anything effective to address that climate emergency. I mean, we have here in today in Melbourne, I think it's going to be about 44 degrees. Uh, people are going to be choosing between things like the essentials of food and paying the rent, etc., or turning on the air conditioner, the expensive air conditioner, to try and keep themselves cool. I mean, that's the sort of thing that we're addressing here. Uh, you know, heat and heat waves affect uh, financially disadvantaged people and vulnerable people the most. We have a situation where, you know, where are homeless people going to go? 44 degrees, it's going to, you know, it's going to affect our health, it's going to affect our well-being. Where do they go? You know, uh, we have a situation where, by the way, um, you know, if you can put a, a container of water out for the wildlife because they're just going to be absolutely distressed today and anywhere that you're going to have these high temperatures 
you know, we have to address this situation. We have to address it now, but we've got an absolute lame duck, um, you know, government and opposition who is in bed with all of these people who want to pollute the planet and cook the planet. Mm. And what really worries me as well is um, we've had, uh, I think, the, the police have been su- supplied with a new sort of uh, range of weapons. Um, and we, we have a situation, quite a worrying situation, where we're increasingly seeing the... Uh, the police being militarized basically and and seeing a rather aggressive response to these protests however the 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 whole reason for the protests is getting worse our, our, the temperature is going to get higher we're going to have you know floods and droughts and we're going to have more desperate situations and we're going to have protesters more desperate and then we're going to have this increased militarized police presence at these protests to try and quell them you know what? What is the, we're going to have? Worrying nexus between desperation of protesters and militarization of police and oppression of these protesters. I, I don't see um, any way that we can avoid violence in the future, like significant violence in the future, when people get so desperate. Because, as you said, the capitalist class does not care. Mm. It doesn't care about us, and we are the ones that suffer. Mm. So, yeah. It's sort of going back to the to the old line um, from um, Rosa, um, the great German revolution. Um, Rosa Luxemburg, it's either kind of socialism or barbarism, because um, yeah. I think, you know, the only counter towards the growing kind of far right to the growing sort of militarization of state repression um, and the and whatever kind of problems that are going to arise out of this um, um, climate crisis is going to be people powered movements and mass movements are the only uh, mass democratic movements are probably going to be the only things that can actually curb any sort of severe kind of levels of kind of violence that will outbreak as a result of this climate crisis. Absolutely. And I think um, it's really good, listeners, to understand that you are are a node in this activist network. It doesn't matter what your ability is. It doesn't matter what limitations you have. Every single person can be a node in the activist network to bring about the change that we need. And we need everyone at this stage because probably at no stage in history have we had such a a right-wing turn, but also have we had this existential crisis of the climate crisis. So every single person is needed in this fight to help make a better world because we're up against the capitalists, we're up against the billionaires, we're up against the lackeys in the governments around the world that do their bidding. So we need you. (laughs) All right. Um, So I might just play a quick few announcements and we might move on to putting on Sue Bolton um, for the first sort of guest for our program. Accented women. It seems so obvious to me that if you live in a, in a completely violent um, cultural milieu that it's going to translate into every aspect of women's lives. Accent women. What's a border? They don't see it like a big wall right along the How the can country. people live ordinary lives when they're living in such an extraordinary situation where there are, two, where there are armies there and terrorists there and such conflict every single day of their lives? Accent women. A show by and about women from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds. On Community Radio 3CR. Yeah, I spent three and a half years living on the street and 
I know what it's like to have no hope and not to feel part of the society, and I think that's where a lot of these people are. But I think we need to help people who are traumatised and help people get back on their feet and give them hope and help them um, feel like they're a part of the society again instead of just moving them on like they're an inconvenience. If it were not for ruminations, how would the views of those of us who have been homeless or are homeless, how would these views ever be aired? How would they ever be expressed? Subscribe to the station that gives airtime to people with a lived experience of homelessness. Support 3CR. Right, you're listening to Green Left Radio. It is um, 7.21 a.m. And on the line we have um, someone who's um, been a regular guest on our program, um, Sue Bolton, um, who is a member of Socialist Alliance um, and Moreland um, City Councillor. Um, so we have her on the line um, as to have a bit of a kind of roundtable discussion between all our kind of um, presenters and with Sue, um, reflecting on... Being our kind of last program, I thought it would be kind of appropriate to kind of reflect on this year um, in terms of what a year it has been in terms of political struggle. We've had the the rise of the climate movement. Um, we've had the um, we've had the uprisings that have occurred in Chile, um, and Hong Kong, and various other kind of mass movements that are, are arisen, and we've also seen some a bit of a surge of for the left, and then a bit some setbacks as well. So yeah, good morning, soon. Hi, how's it going? Yeah, Hello, Sue. <laughs> yeah, so Hi. I guess to, uh, to start off the kind of discussion, um, yeah, for Sue um, and maybe Megan might want to shimmer in, what do you think has been some of the most kind of significant kind of developments this year in terms of um, struggle in 2019? Uh, well, in terms, okay, going away, I was going to talk about um, the current bushfires and uh, climate crisis is such a credibly significant event. But in terms of struggle, I think um, one of the most positive things I uh, have seen is mostly from the last part of this year, but a bit from the, early, the beginning of the year, this whole wave of revolts that have happened across the world, starting mm. in Sudan at um, the beginning of the end of last year, really, going into the beginning of this year. And then, uh, in the latter part of the year, or, or, you know, um, you know, Hong Kong, um, Chile, Lebanon, Iraq, Iran, uh, West Papua, Indonesia, and, uh, there's somewhere I've forgotten as well. Um, but I think those revolts have been extremely important. Now, not, they're not all important for exactly the same reason. They don't all have the roots. Um, obviously, the struggle that's happening in Hong Kong is happening over, you know, over democracy, basically. But the ones that I think are really have been really particularly interesting are the ones in the Middle East, starting in Sudan and then Iraq and Iran, um, and in and Lebanon as well. Because one of the things with those struggles is. They have focused really on the class issues. I mean, basically, people haven't been able to afford to eat, which is a pretty motivating, uh, pretty motivating situation. I mean, in Sudan, people couldn't afford bread. Um, people had to queue up for a week at service stations to get petrol. Um, 
and it was just an absolutely dire situation. So people were totally united across all religious and all ethnic lines. Um, and the same thing happened in Iraq. So the mainstream media here was saying, oh, well, the protesters in Iraq are calling for um, an end to the involvement of Iran. Well, actually, they were calling for an end to foreign interference in, in their country. So they want Iran to stop interfering. They want the US to stop interfering. They want all foreign powers, Turkey, to stop interfering. Um, they want, definitely want the US to stop interfering. And people were united across religious and ethnic lines. And the, one of the reasons why that is so significant is because the former colonial rulers um, set up in many parts of the world, but especially the Middle East, political systems designed to pit ethnic group against ethnic group, religious group against religious group in order to maintain control for the rich elite. And the US also did that at the end of the Iraq war. They set in place this um, ethnically, religiously divided community, um, which also, what they left, led to the development of IS. Um, and, you know, it's fantastic to see the Iraqis just, I mean, incredibly bravely because a lot of Iraqis were, were killed at the pro during the protests. Um, they, you know, like more than 300. So incredibly bravely, they resisted, they united across race, race and ethnic lines to, um, to fight for their rights. And the same thing also happened in Sudan, and I believe the same thing has happened in Lebanon, and I think in Iran as well. Um, in Indonesia, it was a totally different kind of issue. Um, you know, young people revolted um, and res resisted about so uh, a law um, with social restrictions on them. Um, so there's different reasons for the revolts in different countries. But I think the um, the revolts across um, the Middle East in particular are really important. And then, of course, we saw that a defeat, a counter-revolution, occur in Bolivia where the, um, the right wing, and the right wing in Bolivia is actually openly fascist. These are not just um, right-wingers. They're actual fascists who overthrew... The president, who is an indigenous president, Eva Morales, and since the overthrow of Eva Morales, they have been murderously attacking indigenous people and protesters and so forth in, in Bolivia. Hmm. Yeah, that's a, it's really worrying. Um, in Bolivia, I, I mean, I, I, it, it absolutely baffles me that we're not, ta we're not speaking out about this in the world. You know, no government is speaking out about this absolute oppression of the indigenous people in Bolivia. Um, for me, um, you know, I, I see the positives of, um, a world in revolt and people rising up. But for me, probably the, um, in 2019, what really has stood out for me is the continuation of the rise of the right across the world. I mean, we just had, um, Boris Johnson, um, you know, go, you know, get reelected, um, you know, in favour, you know, in, 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 um, at the cost of a Corbyn, a possible Corbyn government. 
Um, you know, next year in 2020, we've got a possibility of um, Donald Trump, regardless of, you know, well, he, he's just been impeached, but um, we can talk about that later, but um, that's probably not going to pass the Senate. So we literally could have him again as the leader of um, the US in, um, you know, again in 2020. But it's really worrying to me because I think we put a lot of stock in the democratic process across the world, you know, here in countries where we feel like the democratic process is important for us and, and can actually change things for the positive. But I think that's taken a battering, um, especially in 2019, when we have these upsets and when, when we have uh, people come in who, quite frankly, do not give a, a damn about anyone who is not rich, about anyone who is, you know, is not part of their little club. And so for me, it, it signals that democracy is, is not enough. Elections are not enough. Billions of dollars can be poured into these elections across the world and won for the people who are in the pockets of the corporations and the rich. And um, I think there's a lot of uh, people talking about this now and, and talking about the fact that um, so many people can be convinced because media is monopolised by the, the powerful. Um, you know, we have Green Left Weekly, one of the only independent, um, you know, media outlets, um, but the monopolisation is definitely occurring by the Murdochs and, and, you know, all our governments are in the pockets of these, these media barons and these coal barons. So for me, unfortunately, what I've taken away from 2019 is that we have to fight in the streets and build a community of resistance as much as we possibly can because our current, you know, traditional structures of, of democracy seem to be failing us. Yeah. Well, I think um, you do raise some very interesting points. I think the shift to the right in a whole lot of countries, not all countries, but a whole lot of countries, um, is a bit different to Britain with Brexit because I think there was, there has been a massive, um, a massive confusion over Brexit. And I mm. have a feeling, you know, it didn't matter what, um, Jeremy Corbyn said about threats of the National Health Service and so forth. There's a lot of the working class, you know, who do hanker for the old British imperialist days. Um, that's true. There was it was a racist vote, largely, not entirely, but largely. But I think for a lot of those working class people, they've been told that Brexit is the solution. You'll get to control your own lives. When we have British, we'll have British control. It won't be controlled by those bureaucrats in the EU. Um, and really, both Britain, Britain and the EU are both capitalist projects. But I think a lot of workers did get taken in, in by um, by that. And I think in some ways they have to see that Brexit won't make a difference to their lives. I think they'll actually have to see it with their own eyes. And then the class struggle will really resume, resume again. And some of the worker, working class people who voted for Brexit, um, uh, not the most hardline racist ones, but, mm. you know, I mean, there will be people who've got all sorts of, uh, you know, um, you know, mixed ideas, confused ideas, and they will be part of a new struggle again when people start to see you know, what, what Boris Johnson is going to attack and cut. Mm. So the struggle will come back, but it was, 
you know, I think a, there were a lot of people who just voted to, uh, you know, in the words of Boris Johnson's simplistic slogan, get Brexit done, because they have, mm. they were just sort of maybe not terribly political or just they have some belief that Brexit will fix things and it's not going to fix things. So mm. the struggle will come back. But I also think in reality what some of the votes also show us is that um, so-called democracy under capitalism isn't real democracy no. because people, um, a lot of, you know, people have promised this and promised that, slogans here, slogans there. If people aren't following politics all of the time, they it's really hard to work out exactly what's going on. And the media is so right-wing. Even the so-called smaller liberal so-called progressive guardian has been absolutely outrageous about Jeremy Corbyn and also absolutely outrageous about Bolivia, Venezuela. They are putting, they might have some good articles in, in the Guardian, but in reality, they're on the side of the right wing. Mm. <laughs> um, they are not the friends of working class people. Um, and that's why you know, that's why they're not speaking out against the coup in Bolivia, um, because really they are fundamentally a pro-capitalist outfit, even though from the smaller liberal um, end of the spectrum. So I think the, the media really uh, has an, a massive impact. Um, the left does not get an opportunity to put our point of view in the mainstream media. Mm. Meanwhile the most right-wing elements, not just the mainstream right-wing parties, but the, um, you know, minor right-wing parties get plenty of opportunity to put their case in the media. They have plenty of resources being thrown at them. And and also, I think um, big business is quite openly flirting. I mean, a lot of big business is supporting Trump. So I think the thing is, it's, um, yeah, this it's not so much... Yeah, sure. There are a lot of, you know, working class people and other people who have illusions that the far right are going to solve things. But the thing is, capitalism is still attacking people. And I think even if people have got sucked in by the populist right wing, the thing is, we've got to keep organising on the issues because these right wingers are not going to resolve these all of these issues confronting people of poverty and so forth. Yes, I'll use racism and anti-woman um, attitudes, anti, anti-gay attitudes to try and maintain their rule. But things will come around again where people will start to work out what's happening in this system that only favours rich people. Mm. Yeah, and I think... One sort of um, thing I want to sort of to start a discussion about following that is, I mean, looking at, at this kind of year on raising the question about the importance of building a strong organised left or especially a radical left um, that argues for, you know, an overthrow of the existing um, system. I mean, especially when we look at the current, all these kind of current kind of uprisings, is there is, while these uprisings have all been fantastic, there is 
there is a, a kind of absence of an organized kind of left. And in fact, there is a reason for this. Um, you know, following the kind of the failures of, of the, of Stalinism and the, um, the fall of the Soviet Union and also the, um, the sort of betrayals of kind of social democracy, um, which has sort of was essentially defeated by the rise of kind of neoliberalism. Um, because even in countries like Chile, um, where there has been a massive uprising and there has been historically a strong left, a lot of the existing kind of left parties have been kind of implicated in not necessarily being all the way in terms of supporting the grassroots kind of movement. So I guess raising this discussion, I guess, in terms of the need for, in, in this time of crisis, the need for a kind of an organised kind of left and what what we would have to yes say about that well i think that's really important and i think um i think probably a really good example of that is what happened in egypt during the uprising in 2011 um the in egypt you know I mean, people there were also incredibly brave uprising against an incredible military dictatorship in in um, in Egypt, which had ruled for you know a very decades, um, but basically because of the weakness of the left, um, the biggest organisation um, came to power, and that was the Muslim Brotherhood. And then when the Muslim Brotherhood came to power because they are also a neoliberal neoliberal party. I mean, sure, sure, yes, um, they were um, right-wing Islamist party, but they were also, um, you know, uh, they were also uh, implementing neoliberal economic policies um, and they were also um, wanting to introduce a new constitution which would have... Um, you know, crackdown on unions, etc. And so then that gave the military dictatorship the opening to organise a mass revolt against the Muslim Brotherhood and then the military came back into power. And so that people were no further forward than when they started protesting against Mubarak um, at the beginning of the Arab Revolution, of the Egyptian Revolution. So I think that really shows the need for a mass left party um, because you, you know, yeah, <clears throat> and, and that's what we have to construct. We do, you know, which might start from small groups, um, but then there have also been, you know, some breaks in the sense of the changes uh, which happened in um, England with um, Jeremy Corbyn, and we don't know what's really going to happen with all of that now that um, Jeremy Corbyn has resigned as leader of the Labor Party. But we've got to remember that there are, you know, millions of people did vote for the um, sort of more socialist kind of message that um, he was um, putting forward, and there are a massive number of people who joined the British Labor Party purely to support that sort of radical, in a sense, it was radical social democracy, really. Um, and and the struggle's going to keep going. So I think, so, you know, that indicates that it is possible for people to be attracted to, you know, radical left politics, I think. And so we shouldn't be disheartened, but we do need a party. 
um, because there are always the the elite, you know, class rule that, you know, there are they've got a lot of uh, psychologists working for them, a lot of people working at how to manipulate public opinion, and when people first won universal suffrage, the right for everyone to have a vote, the capitalists basically thought, oh shit, um, what are we going to do now? Uh, because we can get outvoted because we are a tiny minority. But basically, through their other instruments, the class rule, the media, undemocratic electoral laws, et cetera, et cetera, um, lack of being able to recall parliamentarians or control them once they've been elected, um, means that the rich elite can generally still rule. And generally, in most countries, you have the favoured party of the capitalist class, um, in our case, the Liberal Party, and then the second favourite for when the favourite party loses so much mass support that there's a danger of an uprising. And so, in our case, that's the Labour Party. Um, but there, it's a similar setup in, in other countries as well, um, where, you know, Democrats, Republicans, you know, same sort of arrangement. So... Um, they've been able to, and that's also why the capitalists love to have this two-party system and they like us to be, vote this one out, this capitalist party out, vote that capitalist party in, vote that one out, vote this one in. They like to keep us going in that merry-go-round um, all of the time. They do not want us to break with this system. And, you know, that's what we've got to do is break with this system and... I think as well as spontaneous revolt, and there will be spontaneous revolts, even in a country that might seem politically stable like Australia, um, there will be, uh, you know, revolts over various things. But we absolutely need a political party which can make sure that um, revolts over economic issues don't turn into a racism issue. Um, because that's what um, the major parties in the capitalist class rely on all the time. They rely on divide and rule to maintain their power, and we've got to unite the working class. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's interesting, that just a couple of things. Um, what I've noticed is after the election, um, Jeremy Corbyn doesn't seem to have gone away. His voice seems to still be there advocating for working class people, which I think is really important. Um, he is still a voice that people can unite um, around. And I think that that whole, um, you know, it's not just an election. It is a people's movement is is still continuing in, in the UK and hopefully it will continue. And just in regards to, um, you know, when people got um, universal suffrage, uh, when when the um, the ruling class uh, you know discovered, well, actually we've got to do something about this, and we do have to um, you know put some time and effort into making sure that uh, the masses vote our way. There's a man called Edward Bernays who was a public relations consultant. He was basically the um, the grandfather of uh, public relations. He wrote a book, and it was literally called Propaganda. And if anyone's interested in um, looking into how the masses are manipulated, um, both for the powers that be and for also, you know, things like consumerism, etc., um, reading Edward Bernays' um, propaganda is a, a really good starting point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And maybe one other point, just following on from you about that propaganda issue. I think the other thing is propaganda has a big impact, but... 
propaganda can't get away with it forever. No. So that if if they're saying, oh, there's no problems of unemployment, there's plenty of jobs, um, people who are complaining about unemployment, it's just because they're dull bludgers, blah, 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 blah. But if everyone you know is unemployed um, and, and doing it really tough, then at a certain point the propaganda can cease to have any impact. So propaganda can only take the ruling class so far. Mm. And I guess what we want, what we need to do in terms of building left parties, et cetera, is we need to make sure that people's anger is directed firmly to, against the ruling class and not get misdirected mm. uh, against other members of our own class um, that we need to unite. But it, what it, you know, what we can take from that is that propaganda can't fool people all of the time. There's a certain point at which it will cease to have an impact. So, yeah, because people have real lived experiences. Mm. Um, I think. Um, yeah, I think we'll um, yeah, we'll, we'll finish it up. it up. Um, any kind of final comments you'd like to make, Sue? I think that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. I had to, well, thank you very much, um, Sue, for um, being on the on the program. No worries. Thanks very much. Thank you. Bye. All right. That was um, Sue Bolton, um, Moreland City Councillor and Member of Social Alliance, and we had her just on the program to kind of refl- do a bit of reflection in terms of this year. Yeah, that was. Yeah. In terms of significant struggle and sort of the kind of take-home kind of message um, is that, you know, we need to build um, a kind of stronger fighting left um, that needs to take up the issues um, and challenge um, the power, um, the capitalist system. Now, I might just play a quick few announcements. Maybe we um, can then, do a song as well. And we then might, um, yeah, actually maybe we play a quick few announcements and then we might do one quick song. Six years I've been Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison project, giving voice to our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates right across Victoria. It's good to be here because uh, Aboriginal radio and um, you don't really get to do this much. Brings us all together. Time, you'll get your time to take that first step out that front door to freedom beyond these walls. Make sure and I just want to say thank you yours. to all What's of you for giving us the opportunity to morning. speak on air. The bigger the reason, the bigger the calling. Make your commitment and watch things unfold. And you can listen to audio from this year's broadcasts and previous years as well. Online at any time, just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. But also while I'm here, I'd like to say thank you for all for coming, um, helping, giving us a chance to do this. It's really good, you know. It's been going for a while now. Hopefully it goes, it keeps going. You know, like it's, it's good that we can do this and um, get our voice out there as prisoners. We can't blame everything on the external, so let's stop looking for it in the hands of the persecutor because real power comes from here and it comes from family. If you would like us to post you a free CD, contact the station on 03-9419-8377. 3CR broadcasters present over 100 radio programs every week. 
including a diverse range of community language shows. Kamu semua ada dengar Trisia Community Radio, please subscribe now. Tistamiuna ila ida Trisia Community Radio araja al istirahat kalian. Ninggal ungalin samuha wanali Trisia rai kert kondirikan terikal. Indre nenggal. Están escuchando Radio Comunitaria 3CR. Suscríbete ahora. Netsuk ketsek radio i gairanin for time guda melbumi hai kaotin. Hima artsan akrvetsek iper Trisia rai antam. Support the station that gives your community a voice. Subscribe to 3CR.
you're listening to 3CR 855 on your AM dial and that was Better in Black by Thelma Plum. Uh, uh, Jacob's actually now going to, we're going to go to Jacob and have a chat about the UK elections and the ramifications of those. Yeah, so um, the British elections um, happened, um, on, well they tragically happened um, the, over the past week on um, Thursday the 12th of December um, and I think I think it's a, I think it's worth kind of the opportunity to have a bit of a kind of deeper kind of analysis on um, the British elections um, because re- resoundingly um, Boris Johnson was um, elected um, with a greater kind of majority than before and despite the kind of um, um, Jeremy Corbyn running on a strong kind of left wing kind of platform. Um, he wasn't able to win, um, much. Um, he wasn't able to necessarily, um, win. Although I think there's a lot of kind of things to kind of be said about this election. Um, in fact, one of the political contexts, um, that, um, for this election was Brexit. Um, and in fact, following the referendum that happened in 2016, I think it was two, or 2017, yeah, it was 2016, um, where Brexit has been kind of like the, this kind of dark kind of thing and seething in kind of the background, which has sort of plunged, um, the whole, um, the whole British state into crisis, um, because under Theresa May, um, the, the 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 conservative um the Tories were un were pretty much unable to kind of get any unified agreement in terms of a Brexit kind of deal. Um at the same time, overwhelmingly there were certain sections of um the working class um in Britain who did who voted for Brexit. And of course there's all been all these sort of reasons and explanations for why, but essentially I think you could argue very strongly that what loss um what um why Jeremy Corbyn lost was, in a sense, the result of the Brexit. Um, because when you look at um, a seat-by-seat kind of analysis, um, when you look at all the kind of seats in the north, which overwhelmingly voted for um, Brexit, those are pretty much all the, uh, the majority of the seats that... Um, that Labor, the Labor Party in the UK lost by a, a landslide to the Tories. And of course, there was also the influence of the fact that the Brexit Party also ran as well, which were running on a hard kind of right sort of Brexit kind of platform. And I think one of the things I think, um, I think it, it is quite a, I think it divide a complex kind of situation in a sense that, um, for the Labor Party, their kind of young kind of base, which sort of based around the metropolitan sort of London areas, was overwhelmingly for Remain. But I do think that it was always a political mistake um, because I think that Jeremy Corbyn's position was always, when the referendum happened, um, that he will respect the vote and that he'll work on towards implementing a sort of Brexit that would deliver for, um, for the best possible outcome for, for Britain. Um, that was sort of the, the position he went into with, uh, within the 2017 general elections where Jeremy Corbyn and under the leadership of Jeremy Corbyn went, won, um, didn't necessarily win, but, um, came back with a, a, a massively increased majority for, for Labour than has been ever been done. So I think that's one of the, I, I, I think that looking back, I think it was a political mistake, um, for, the Labor Party for Jeremy Corbyn to concede to the idea of pushing for a second referendum. Um, for a number of reasons, the second referendum has always, in a sense, been, I feel, an attempt to 
push, a, a kind of right-wing push by the right-wing elements within the Labor Party to sort of get um, Corbyn to um, off, off, offside. And I think, in a sense, the biggest problem with um, with what happened in the UK election wasn't actually while the right-wing media um, is going to be going on about how, you know, it's Corbyn's radical manifesto, how the Labor Party needs to go back to the sensible kind of centre. Um, in fact, there's been a number of Guardian um, headlines since the election that sort of go along the line. The actual problem with um, what had happened um, is the fact that there's actually not enough Corbyn. The fact that um, the Corbyn... Um, was constrained by the right-wing elements in his party that pushed him to concede on a whole bunch of positions, whether it's the um, the charges of anti-Semitism, which is which was completely fabricated and completely untrue, and conceding to the question of the second referendum. I think those were the kind of um, I think the real problem was the fact that there wasn't enough Corbyn in the Labour Party, um, and also I think it was also speaks to I think in some sense to the limits of you know of, you know, the Corbyn project in a sense that it was a project that necessarily did focus, even though it promised a kind of radical kind of program, uh, it didn't necessarily cut through the fact that within the North, um, which is where they lost, the North has been absolute of, of, um, England has been absolutely devastated by years and years of neoliberalism, which yeah. has sort of destroyed working class organization and, um, and also at the same time, the down, um, the decline in working class organisation, um, um, does, um, could, um, co- can correlate with a rise in support for right wing, um, ideas, which in a sense, um, Brexit has always been, you know, in some sense, while, um, has been, in a sense, a, a kind of movement that has for, for a long time being, in a sense, co-opted by the right-wing politics, which is attempt, which is, I think it is a, is a right attempt to essentially, um, you know, essentially get, um, get British, Britain to leave the European Union to take it to the British state, which is more a, a much better place for, you know, mm-hmm. tax invaders and fair invaders, uh, well, tax invasion and, and, and so on. Despite the fact that the European Union is a neoliberal institution, as always, in a sense, when you look at the examples of Greece, has always played a role of attacking workers' rights yeah. um, and attacking austerity measures and preventing austerity measures. So it's yeah, in a sense, this whole Brexit situation was like being put between a rock and a hard place, mm-hmm. and there's essentially almost, in a sense, no good way out of it. But I did feel that ultimately, I feel caught the Corbyn. Uh, and the Labour Party would have been in a better position if it stuck to its guns and just cl- made its clear position that it would um, fight for a better Brexit, um, which would, I think, would have um, had a much better, which would have served much better. In group. Because I think looking at the seats that um, um, that were um, of, you know, remain seats, I do think that there was a clear there wasn't necessarily a big enough swing against Labor that there was compared to the seats that did vote for leave. Mm. So I think, yeah, following the ramifications of this um, of this election, Boris Johnson is um, going in with the attack. Um, in fact, one of his pledges were his first point of call is to attack um, the um, ra- um, the kind of equivalent to the railway and tram unions. Although I don't think London, the UK has trams necessarily. I think it, so. It's focusing on the rail and train workers. Um, and that's going to be the first kind of point of attack because that's been one of the more militant unions. And then he's already kind of 
fallen back on some of these kind of promises. So, yeah, I think the movement is going to continue to grow. I think that the the rise of Corbyn has been a po- has been a positive development for the left in a, the absence of a organised and a radical left. I think Corbyn does, Corbyn's sort of project did feel feel a kind of vacuum that hasn't been sort of left. And I think you know this kind of ri- the rising sort of youth. Um, um, who are being increasingly politicised by the Corbyn campaign are going to be playing an active role in the struggles to come. And I also think what's quite interesting, this is the last point to end on, when you look at the vote um, um, that in terms of demographic kind of breakdowns, um, it's um, Labor would have apparently won a majority um, if only 18 to 24-year-olds were, um, were able to vote. In fact, mm. a clear majority with Tories not being able to win any seats. Interesting. Um, but then going into 24 to 31, Labor would have still had a clear majority. It's only when you get up to sort of the older kind. Yeah. Of, and that, I think there hasn't necessarily been... Yeah, um, yeah. I think that's really where, where it kind of comes down to. So, yeah, this is... I definitely think it was a disheartening kind of result and a big, a real kind of setback for the left. I'm also not necessarily convinced that, um, with Corbyn essentially resigning as leader of the Labour Party, while he's still the active leader, he will resign when the next election comes around. Um, I do think that it's, the Labour Party is not necessarily in a good position right now. And I think it's a real kind of setback for the left. And I think there's going to have to be some other, a regroupment as such for a new political force to kind of arise um, that's, I think, independent from the major parties. Absolutely. And that's some left-wing political analysis that you will not hear on mainstream media. Um, so, yes, you're listening to 3CR 855 on your AM dial, and we are Green Left Radio. Uh, you might perhaps consider uh, your a subscription, either for yourself or for a loved one, uh, this um, coming holidays for the new year uh, to support a radio station that basically is uh, putting out media in the interest of people. Yeah, I spent three and a half years living on the street and I know what it's like to have no hope and not to feel part of the society and I think that's where a lot of these people are. But I think we need to help people who are traumatised and help people get back on their feet and give them hope and help them um, feel like they're a part of the society again instead of just moving them on like they're an inconvenience. If it were not for ruminations, how would the views of those of us who have been homeless or are homeless, how would these views ever be aired? How would they ever be expressed? Subscribe to the station that gives airtime to people with a lived experience of homelessness. Support 3CR. This is Irene Bolger, former Secretary of the Nurses' Federation in Victoria. Throughout the nurses' dispute in 1986 and the waterfront dispute in 1998, 3CR was always there broadcasting the voices of workers in struggle. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio and we're broadcasting live from the Bay to Chicken Strike here in Melbourne. We've just seen all of the thousands of nurses walk through to their meeting and people from different unions showing their solidarity. 3CR. Radio for the workers, by the workers, since 1976. 
Welcome back. Uh, you are listening to 3CR 855 on your AM dial. And uh, we are going to, we've just got a couple of announcements. Uh, so basically, uh, the Victorian Tamil Association uh, wants your support for this year's Christmas Day Radiothon. There are many Tamil families with children on short-term bridging visas, and these children need our help to pursue their tertiary education in Australia and pursue their education dreams. Um, so on the 25th of December, Christmas Day, um, they're running a Radiothon, uh, and you can help us to raise funds to support the community. Uh, just listen in. Uh, you can also get um, I believe these um, details will be on the 3cr.org.au website but the Victorian Tamil Association, uh, that's the account name and if you wanted to take down the bank details, uh, the BSB is 063894 and the account number is 10496414 so please do consider um, doing a donation to the Tamil community for the education of their young people Currently there are hundreds of asylum seekers from Sri Lanka facing a very uncertain future in Australia. These families struggle with working two or three low-wage jobs just to make ends meet and educate their children here. The Victorian Tamil Association has initiated a special Christmas Day Radiothon appeal to help unfortunate Tamil students. Between 9am to 5pm on Wednesday the 25th of December, we will take to the 3CR airwaves, broadcasting Tamil voices and music and discussions with youth and asking the community to dig deep and donate to support our annual fundraising effort. The Victorian Tamil Association is a 3CR supporter. All right, you're listening to Green Left Weekly Radio. Um, it is 8.05am and sort of time for the activist calendar um and unfortunately there's not necessarily that much kind of happening we're all um, a break <laughs> yeah because i think most of the activist movement is going on break but there are a number of things sort of coming up um the first thing um i'd like to note um note is there is uh, a fundraiser for the sos conference um which actually i can't actually there's no details on this actually but it's apparently happening to that night at 7 p.m. Um, in Thornbury. Um, I'll just go on the ASEN Australian Student Environmental Network page to find that out. Um, tomorrow, tomorrow there's going to be uh, an event organised by Extinction Rebellion, um, Climate Carols on the Beach um, at the St Kilda Pier. On Sunday, there's going to be two protests organised by the Indian and Kashmir community, um, protests against police brutality on G. JMI and AMU students at 11am outside the Parliament House and a peaceful protest against the Indian Citizenship Amendment Bill at 1pm at the Federation Square. Um, and then I'm trying to get find the next things to kind of announce. Uh, I've actually got a couple here. Well, I have one last thing. So if you would like to travel to Sydney, there is going to be the Students of Sustainability Conference happening at Sydney University in Cumberland. Um, they'll be happening on Sunday, 12th of January, 2020 to, um, Sunday, um, to Friday, January 17th, 2020. So that, um, yeah, check the Student Sustainability website for that. And then 
Yes, I also would like to just announce that the Invasion Day protest will likely be happening again on Sunday the 26th of January uh, at probably likely the Parliament sets, but that's still to be called. But yeah, it happens every year and it will definitely will. So yeah, I think that's... And then on Sunday the 9th of February, there'll be the No Right to Discriminate protests against religious discrimination bills at 1pm Sunday the 9th of February. 2020. So yeah, that's what I've got in terms of announcements. Unfortunately, there's not that much happening. Ah, we're all taking a break. That's probably a good thing. So there's actually going to be some um, summer specials. So this is basically uh, differences in programming um, over the summer holidays. So this coming uh, Monday from 1 to 2 p.m., Stolen Generations Marker Launch two-part special. Uh, Whilst Betty Black takes a break from regular programming, we bring bring you Black Noise Radio, programmed from 2018 recorded at the Stolen Generations Marker Launch in the Atherton Gardens on the 26th of May 2018 to commemorate the 20th anniversary of Sorry Day. Uh, You'll hear highlights from the launch day with MC Deborah Cheatham, uh, community members and a deadly musical set by Kutcha Edwards featuring a duo, Uncle Jack Charles. Duo with Uncle Jack Charles. That's on uh, December the 23rd and also December the 30th. Uh, also, on December the 23rd, 30th, January 16th and January 13th, Deadly Beats, 3 to 4 p.m. Deadly Beats is a jam-packed program showcasing the very best Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders music, artists in the urban music genre. Being a long-time uh, hip-hop and R&B artist himself, Big Sexy will bring to the show the classics and the, ta- the latest jams from around Australia, including interviews with local and national Indigenous urban music artists, uh, produced at Radio Adelaide and shared nationally via the Community Radio Network. Um, on January 6th, 6th, 13th and 20th, 4 to 5pm, Whilst Doing Time takes a break, regular presenter Peter will bring you a music special featuring psychedelic punk noise and metal from his collection. Uh, on December the 23rd, 30th and January the 6th, from 6 to 6.30pm, 6 Decolonising Australia. Australia is based on the denial of the rich culture and history of the First Nations people of this continent. While massacres are forgotten, the government is spending $50 million on commemorating 29th of April 2020, which marks 250 years since James Cook anchored at uh, Cornell and first contact was made between the British and Australia's First Nations people. This show will feature First Nations Australians engaged in decolonising works and seek advice on how non-Indigenous people can help as the first step to creating a better community. And that's going to be presented by Rima Ratten. Uh, okay, so I think there's a few more. Um, just quick thing. Yeah. Um, just um, one um, announcement this Saturday. There's going to be the Rock Against Domestic Violence, which will be free from 6pm, and it's happening at the Workers' Club in Fitzroy. Fantastic. Okay, so there's a couple of other um, prog- summer programming differences. So uh, on January the 1st, 8th, 15th, 22nd and 29th from 9am to 10am, Activism, Struggle and Labour History. Talks from the 2019 Australian Society for the Study of Labour History Conference. Um, the program will cover Australia and New Zealand's uh, scholars pro- pro- sorry, giving talks on topics such as unions, anti-fascist, anti-racist, housing, anti-globalisation and other campaigns and struggles. And that's presented by Ian McIntyre. Uh, on December 18th and January 1st, 18th, 15th, 29th and February the 5th, 
from 2 to 4pm, a lazy Wednesday of jazz and blues. So Jeff Tobin uh, presents classic jazz and blues from the 1920s up to today with an emphasis on the current generation of upcoming young performers. Uh, for his first show in Dece- on December the 18th, he'll be featuring Fiona Boys um, from the New South uh, Wales. Uh, oh, that's actually passed. Um, so guests on air this season will include uh, Tamara Coulden, uh, who is a very accomplished Melbourne jazz vocalist uh, about to release another jazz album. Uh, and also um, from uh, December on December 25th, as mentioned before, we've got the Tamil Christmas Appeal. So even though the war ended a decade ago, um, the army occupation of Tamil's homeland and harassment and subjugation of Tamils continues unabated. The Tamil Christmas Appeal will be run by the Victorian Tamil Association to raise vital funds in order to continue addressing widespread poverty, displacement, mental and physical health issues and abuses by the occupying armed forces. An annual event has been organised by the Tamil Rehabilitation Organisation for the last 25 years. Go them. Okay. For more info um, on what's happening over the summer with regards to programs, you can actually check 3cr.org.au. Uh, summer specials so check that out because there's some really exciting stuff coming up okay um, so we are about to uh, go to our guest speaker I'm going to just play some announcements and then we'll come back and we'll have our next interview 3CR broadcasters present over a hundred radio programs every week including a diverse range of community language shows Come to one at 3CR Community Radio. Please subscribe now. Testimony on the 3CR Community Radio. Araja Al Ishtrakal and Ningal Ungalin Samuhavanoli, 3CR Kurtu Kondir Kondir Kal. Rindre Nayingal. Están escuchando Radio Comunitaria 3CR. Suscríbete ahora. Netsuketsek Radio I Gayanin, Voratanguda Melbumi Hai Kaotin. Hima Artana Krevetsek Iper 3CR Antam. Support the station that gives your community a voice. Subscribe to 3CR. From every corner of the land, womankind arise! Women on the Line, a current affairs program devoted to women's voices, covering a diversity of women's interests and hearing women's perspectives on current affairs. Erosion of human rights leads directly and inevitably to erosion of human security. We do not accept the denial of our rights because the right to have a say over our country is our life. Women on the Line. Tune in on Mondays at 8.30am and Wednesdays at 6am on 3CR Community Radio 855am. And streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Okay, so this is Shebop. And so is this. And this. Shebop, a program that explores feminist issues. Tune in Mondays, 10.30am, for a show where only women get to speak. 
but everyone can listen. Accented women. It seems so obvious to me that if you live in a in a completely violent um, cultural milieu, that it's going to translate into every aspect of women's lives. Accented women. What's a border? They don't see it like a big wall right along the. How can people live ordinary lives when they're living in such an extraordinary situation where there are two, where there are armies there and terrorists there and such conflict every single day of their lives? Accent Women. A show by and about women from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds. On Community Radio 3CR. listening to 3CR 855 on your AM dial and that was River of Tears by Kev Carmody. All right, you're listening to Green Left um, Radio. Um, so apologies to our listeners. We were meant to um, have a guest on Amira Bella, uh, a member of the Melbourne Kashmir community, to talk about the recent protests that have been engulfing India. Um, since we weren't able to get him on, um, we'll talk a bit about um, what's currently happening in India. Um, so listeners probably are aware that their, India has been kind of met with being some mass protests, um, and the, the protests have been, um, have been against this particular citizenship bill. Um, basically, to explain this bill, this bill basically um, 
is being pushed by the right-wing um, Modi government um, and has been quite divisive because it's in some sense it is supposed to be protecting... It's supposed to be a, a, a bill that's supposed to protect... Um, uh, of the against discrimination, but when you look at the groups that are kind of like listed in this, it's it doesn't necessarily put in um, Muslims, um, and so had is being met with mass kind of protests. Um, they're they're basically this these current policies are basically dividing people based on their religious beliefs, and of course these as a result have and it's part of the kind of right wing Hindu nationalist kind of push by the Modi government, and and it's. And as a result, there has been kind of massive kind of protest, um, especially from um, universities such as JMI and AMU, who have been peacefully protesting against the laws which um, has been recently enacted by the um, by the parliament in India. And of course, as a result, um, to crush this, the police have used excessive force. Um, and so these protests are, um, are still continuing, um, and there's going to be, as I kind of uh, mentioned before, there's going to be a solidarity protest in solidarity with these students um, resisting repression um, at the Parliament House at 11 a.m. Um, this at 11 a.m. this Sunday. Excellent. Okay, thanks for that. Um, what other issues have we got um, Well, have some headline news that just came up. Just got a, a notification um, on... Um, just got a notification. But it looks like Scott Morrison is going to be returning <laughs> to the country and apologises for the offence that he may have caused um, going away on holidays. Um, because, you know, his excuse was apparently that he had to go to Japan and India in January. I mean... I mean, probably the Why? main reason. Well, the main. Well, of course, it's it's normal for any sort of prime minister to have sort of international travel kind of duties. Oh no, um, no, of course, but I'm not sure how that relates to Hawaii. So. Well, no, no. Basically, he's arguing that um, he couldn't go away in January because he had to go to India, um, and which is the time he would normally spend with his family, well, something like that. Anyway, he's um, in light of the kind of tragic events that we reported on earlier this morning, he is returned to the country. Um, I don't expect he's going to be doing much more than what he's already no. doing, but I think it's really the result of direct pressure. Um, the fact that there was this photo of him, um, you know, um, in in Hawaii, um, looking very happy and... And relaxed. And relaxed. And while the, con- while, he's, while the country's burning, I think, was not necessarily a good look. And in fact, his media PR team was trying to advise people not to share that photo around on social media. And so, stuffed. And so, of course, people would respond by saying, oh, yes... Share it even more. Share it even more. So, <laughs> yeah, well um, done. That's the Barbara Streisand effect for you. Yeah. And I guess the next thing in terms of um, our political leaders is um, the issue of the impeachment of Donald Trump. Yes, we haven't covered that yet. Um, so I guess just to give a bit of background, I mean, this, there was a useful kind of article in ABC. That doesn't necessarily go into the politics, but I guess a few things just to clear up. Donald Trump is still president. Mm. Um what has actually happened is it's basically the House of Representatives, which is in the equivalent to the lower house, has voted on two articles of impeachment and only a simple majority is needed to pass each article. And so a vote on the first article of impeachment has seceded. So Donald Trump has been impeached and is one of the three US presidents to do. Um, but of course, it remains really only a symbolic thing for now. Mm. 
Because um, it's got to go to the Senate, and so the Senate to, is Republican-controlled. Yeah, Republican-controlled. Yeah. Um, and so it needs two-thirds majority, so 67 of those 100 senators is needed to convict. And, of course, if that happens, Donald Trump is removed from office. If not, he is acquitted of the charges and remains president. Now, I think make a few kind of political points I like to make about this. I don't necessarily have think there's necessarily that much that progressive about this sort of impeachment process. In fact, I think political it's more I think it's really a political move maneuver by the Democrats in a sense that the Democrats um haven't really have shown themselves to be not supportive of in fact the Democrats in fact have shown to not be supportive of any kind of mass movement against Trump's racism, against Trump's um, politics. And in fact, they've played all the role of actually repressing any kind of or attacking any kind of mass movement. So I think it's a bit mm. rich that they're going on about how we can go on, um, we can have a, a, a victory by impeaching Trump. Um, and I also think there's another problem with the impeachment process. If it fails, I think Trump will use it as a rallying, rallying point um, to make yes. um, to make himself appear like, just like he did in the last election, as the outsider, um, which will mobilise his sort of right-wing kind of base. I think that's um, an, another problem. So I don't necessarily yeah. think... And, of course, if he was successfully impeached... Um, possibly what would likely happen is the vice president, Mike Pence, would replace him, who is, in effect, just as terrible yeah. um, as Trump. Um, and especially since we're getting so close to the election, I just think that it's really a way for the Democrats to act like they're doing something when they're exactly. really do- doing nothing. <laughs> My worry is um, Trump is like Teflon. Nothing sticks to him. I mean, he has this amazing – it's probably his best talent to go through the presidency doing so much wrong stuff and having nothing stick to him. I personally see that 2020, this impeachment is actually going to be a boon for him. It's going to mean that he was impeached, but he rose like a phoenix. And his, his public, his supporters, is going to absolutely lap that up. And that's a big problem. <laughs> and also, this impeachment is literally cynical manoeuvring. It's one section of the rich and powerful elite uh, impeaching another section of the rich and powerful elite. This has nothing to do with the working class. This has nothing to do with justice or making a better world, etc. It is it is cynical manoeuvring at its best, and it does nothing. Even in practical in practical nature, as you said, Mike Pence becomes the the um, the president, etc. And then we go on to the 2020 election. So yeah, there's nothing that's going to good that's going to come out of this. It is literally a circus show of the rich and powerful um, posturing, basically. Yeah. So we are coming almost to the end. Um, is there anything else you want to say um, to sum up 2019? Yeah, so or? I think it, um, it's been, I think it's been, while there has been some, obviously, with every year there's good and bad, but I think some of the positive developments has been, you know, the rise of the client movement, yeah. uh, the rise of the global revolts in the, in the South. And I think, you know, we have to keep um, the kind of take-home message I kind of want to give the program is we have to keep on fighting, um, never stop fighting. We have to keep protesting. We have to keep organising until we can fight for, to fight for a better world. And, um, yeah, look forward to um, being on the program next year. Um, but, 
in the meantime for the next three weeks. I hope you enjoy the kind of summer, different type of summer program that we have lined up. Um, Absolutely. Really. 2020 is going to be the year of people power people and we will rise up and we'll definitely be here next year giving you all of the news and views from an activist point of view from people power. Uh, stick around because Beyond Zero are actually still doing their live show. Oh my gosh, December 20th and they're still here. That's how dedicated they are. Uh, have a great new year, people, and we wish you all the best for 2020. Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison project, giving voice to our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates right across Victoria. It's good to be here because uh, Aboriginal radio and um, you don't really get to do this much. Brings us all together. Time, you'll get your time to take that first step out that front door to freedom beyond these walls. Make sure and I just want to say thank you to all of you for giving us the opportunity to speak on air. The reason, the bigger the calling. Make your commitment and watch things unfold. And you can listen to audio from this year's broadcasts and previous years as well. Online at any time, just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. But also while I'm here, I'd like to say thank you for all for coming, um, helping, giving us a chance to do this. It's really good, you know. It's been going for a while now. Hopefully it goes, it keeps going. You know, like it's, it's good that we can do this and um, get our voice out there as prisoners. We can't blame everything on the external, so let's stop looking for it in the hands of the persecutor because real power comes from here and it comes from family. If you would like us to post you a free CD, contact the station on 03-9419-8377. This brings us to the end of the show. You have been listening to Friday Morning Breakfast with Green Left Radio. Brought to you by the Green Left Weekly Newspaper, which provides a weekly source of alternative information which aims to inspire action to put people and the environment first. If you would like to subscribe to the newspaper and get it delivered to your door, you can do so by visiting the website at greenleft.org.au or call 1-800-634-206. For new subscribers, it is only $10 for the first six issues. Repeats of the show and interviews are podcasts on our homepage on the 3CR website. Thank you for listening. You are tuned into 3CR Community Radio, 855 Digital on the AM dial and streaming live on 3cr.org.au. start sometime. What better place than here? What better time than now?